Thanks for listening to this message from The Block KC. The Block KC exists to help young adults build their lives on what counts. We believe that is Jesus and what God has revealed in His Word. We'd love to see you next Thursday, 7 p.m. at Lenexa Baptist Church. Now, let's listen to this week's message. doing? Good to see you guys. Welcome to the block. Hey, turn in your pickleball signups by 11.59 tonight. Uh, That is the deadline. Uh, He did not mention there's a huge asterisk next to their victory from last year. Performance-enhancing drugs were found in the back of, uh, yeah, that did not happen. We wouldn't let them do announcements if that were were the case. Good to see you guys. Welcome to the block. My name is Luke Hoagland. If we haven't met yet, I'm the Young Adults Minister at Journey Bible Church down south, uh, like Charlie said. And um, so good to see you guys. I have Taylor Swift in my notes. We haven't talked about Taylor Swift here yet. Anyone go to Taylor Swift? Yeah, man. I, I am not a huge Taylor Swift fan, but I think I've gotten to the place where I think she's the biggest idol since Michael Jackson. Like, like world-renowned idol, uh, I just, I think I have to say it. Some guys are looking at me like, why did you even say that? You're not representing us well. But I think it. I just put it out there for you. Uh, Hey, tonight we're wrapping up uh, a short series we've been in on the Holy Spirit. And we had a guest speaker week one, Trent from uh, Tampa, Florida. It was great to have him. Uh, New friend for sure. And, And Nick spoke last week. Both of those talks are on Spotify. Check those out to get the full picture of what we're going to be talking about tonight. And uh, tonight's topic, we're going to get a little bit more practical talking about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be guided by the question, like Charlie says, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? What does it mean to live by the Spirit? We're going to ask that question because for me, as a, as a believer, the Holy Spirit indwells me in the day-to-day. I've got God living inside of me. How do I relate? What does it look like? I am really eager for this conversation. I was the one who kind of pushed to do a Holy Spirit series here at the block for uh, a number of reasons. I I got my way. That was, I'm really thankful for that. Um, Reason being is the practical outworking of the Holy Spirit is confusing. There's divisions and arguments about it. There may be, as far as misconceptions go, there may not be more misconceptions on a topic than about what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do today in this day and age? A popular thing I hear, I hear it amongst young adults, most specifically amongst young people, is, you know, I'm just looking for, I'm looking for a church with Spirit-led worship. I'm looking for a church with Spirit-led preaching. These are things people say. Regular things people say that they desire, and I think in most cases, and in many cases for sure, this is great. It comes from really good intentions. They're saying something like, I want something that's real. I don't want to be like stodgy and not have a real experience. I want the real thing. I want it to be authentic. I want it to be fresh. I want it to be uh, full of God's glory. They want authenticity. These are all things we ought to desire. These are good things, but when someone says they want spirit-filled preaching, spirit-filled, spirit-filled worship, a great question to ask is, what do you mean? What do you mean by spirit-filled pre- filled preaching? 
or worship. And I bring this up uh, to start us because the truth is there are many who have wandered away from the truth, seeking spirit-filled preaching, or their idea of spirit-filled preaching or worship, and found themselves no longer following following the Spirit of God or walking by the Spirit, but rather following their own preferences. I've heard it said again and again, man, if the worship has a time limit on it, it can't be spirit-led. If the, if the preacher has to speak within 40 minutes and it can't go on for two hours, three hours, it's not spirit-led. What if God wants them to talk all day long? It's not happening tonight, just so you guys know. The worship has to have a spontaneous time that is just open to whatever could possibly happen, whatever God wants to do in that moment. Are these things true? Are these things actual ways to determine if something is spirit-led? What do the scriptures have to say about this? And and I say all these things because it's really important, because God wants you to be in a place that you are spiritually fed. If you're if your spiritual, if you being spiritually fed comes at the expense of you just want to be entertained, it's not worth it. It's not right. God doesn't want that for you. And just as importantly tonight, maybe more importantly, what does it mean for you or for me to be led by the Spirit of God? Does it mean we never plan or commit to anything? Because the Holy Spirit leads me moment by moment. If I plan something and all of a sudden he wants me to not, not commit to that, I've got to go. Sorry, I just can't commit to anything. Does it mean you can't have an eight to five job because that's too rigid of a schedule? What if I'm sitting there at 10 a.m. in my cubicle and God says, move to Mexico? I've got to go. Is that what it means to be led by the Spirit? Some have overstepped and some have missed the step by believing the Holy Spirit is everything. Man, the Holy Spirit is in everything. That flower has the Holy Spirit in it. That's so amazing. You know, because I had this thought about God and he must have put it there if I had this thought. Or I was thinking about God and I was walking and a feather fell on my shoulder and uh, and man, I've been thinking about moving to New York and so I think that's God telling me he just wants me to fly away and go to New York. I've been guilty of this before. I think back to uh, college, sitting there by myself. I think I was in bed, just thinking about a girl. All of a sudden, while I'm thinking about a girl, that Snapchat comes through. It's her. Holy Spirit, you are here. God, you are so good. I can't believe this happened. Oh, God. Come on, man. I've been thinking about her for like eight straight months. It was bound to happen at some point. What's true is our feelings, our desires, our sinful thoughts, they're all present too. So how do we follow the Spirit's lead through all of this? A more godly approach to some of these things would to be like, man, I, man, I have this thought or I sense this Spirit. First John, it says, to test the Spirit's. Hold them up. Look at them. Are they true? Test your own thoughts. Test your own desires. Hold them up to the truth. Bring them under godly scrutiny from other people who know God because the Holy Spirit ain't the only one talking. We need the Spirit to powerfully lead us to live a life 
pleasing to God. And we could talk all day long about examples. I could make you laugh with some other stuff. But we are going to talk more and focus in on what it means to actually be led by the Spirit. As we wrap up this short series, would you guys pray with me? God, Holy Spirit, this is a huge subject. And uh, just so thankful, God, that we get to come around your word and consider what it means to live this life in a manner that's pleasing to you. God, you've taught us, you've showed us. And, and in this room right now, the Holy Spirit is working. God, we know that you are here. Even in people who don't believe in you, you're trying to pull them to you. And God, I just pray over everyone. Would we, would we all just lay aside the things that are between us and you? And would we have 30 minutes here that we just hear from you? We, we get your teaching and we would just respond. Respond in a way that would be honoring and pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name. Amen. So what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Point number one tonight, way to walk number one, walk in wisdom by the Holy Spirit. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You can flip there in your Bibles if you want to join me. Verses are going to be on the screen as always. The Apostle Paul is writing to this church and it's a troubled church. It's a troubled group of people. They're very divided. This is the people that aren't walking by the Spirit. They're not doing it super well at the very least. They're Christians. They're people who have been saved. They're people who know Jesus, who have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, yet many of them are not walking by the Spirit. And so in chapter 2, where we're starting, Paul is seeking to help connect the dots for these people. You're living in this manner of life that doesn't fit. It's not walking by the Spirit. So Paul reminds them, he says, hey guys, I brought the gospel to you. Paul, I, myself, Paul, I brought the gospel to you and I didn't come preaching with the most extravagant speech, eloquent wisdom or eloquent words. That is not how you guys first believed in me. I actually came preaching a message, Jesus Christ and him crucified. I told you about this guy named Jesus who lived this life and he did crazy things and awesome signs and wonders and he called himself God. He called himself the Messiah. And guess what happened to him? He died. He hung on a cross and he died for your sins. That's the message I preach to you. I didn't come with the most ear-itching message of all time or the, the most amazing, like, that's the greatest sales pitch I've ever seen in my life. Yet these people believed. So he's saying it, it was not due to me being anything special, but rather due to the Holy Spirit using the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to work in your heart and life and bring you to believe in God. Pick up with me, chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. This is to say that God has good plans and promises for all of his people. This is Jeremiah 29, 11 stuff right here. This is awesome. He's got good plans. Those who believe in Jesus, and they're better than what you've seen. They're better than what you've heard. Your heart can't even imagine how good it is. It's going to satisfy your heart in ways you didn't even know you could be satisfied. Only God can do that for you. And this is what the Holy Spirit is going to do. The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals these things to man. So for the Christian in the room, there's no, there's no feeling of pride. If you know Jesus, it wasn't because of your might wasn't because you were a great student or studied so hard. And it's not because you are an incredible intellect. 
is because the Holy Spirit convicted you and convinced you that Jesus is Lord. Continue reading with me. It says, uh, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Paul is using uh, an analogy here that it should be able to hit home for all of us. You don't know the person you're sitting right next to's thoughts. They're like a foot away from you. You could get closer. Some of y'all are snuggling up a little bit. Like, but you still, you don't know that person's thoughts. I, sometimes I guess my, my wife Bailey's thoughts correctly. I do it kind of pretty often, to be quite frank with you. But I'm just guessing. I don't know. It's an assumption. You know what they say about assumptions? Don't do it too often. promise. Don't assume what your wife is thinking. That's not, not a good call. But you have no certainty. But for our own thoughts... We don't have to guess. We know it. It's our mind. It's our heart. It's, it's, we're, we're feeling what we're thinking. We know what we're thinking. Same goes for God. No one knows God's thoughts other than himself. So when it says the Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God, we're let in on the fact that the Holy Spirit is God himself. This confirms the deity of the Holy Spirit. So what the Holy Spirit reveals is always truth about God. Now, continue reading with me. It says, now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Man, It's an important distinction in this verse. One might think God has saved them and is teaching them all these things so that they can be a more worldly wise person. I'm going to win all the debates. I'm going to stump all my friends. They're going to think, oh my gosh, he's smart. I'm going to be amazing. This is not what the Holy Spirit is doing. He is teaching you to understand the things freely given to you by God. You don't teach anything about anyone about anything that you've earned. God's freely given and he's freely teaching you. The Holy Spirit brings you more and more understanding about your own salvation, more and more understanding about your own relationship to God, to your new spiritual family, to your new spiritual life and how to live it amongst all the other unfathomably good things God has prepared for those who love him. I want to focus in on, uh, on verse 10 on our, on our next screen. It'll bring it back uh, up for us. It says, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So consider with me for a moment, chat GPT. It's an AI, artificial intelligence. It's like Google mixed with an executive assistant. It just does things for you. It'll draft an email for you. It'll type an eight-page paper for you. Where was this when I was in high school? I'm not here yet is where it was. And uh, this sermon is actually brought to you by ChatGPT. No, I'm just kidding. No, we can't do that. It would be a lot less funny if it was. Um, no, but actual fun fact, 
Someone who's been coming to the block recently found the block on ChatGPT. ChatGPT just leading the people. I love to see it, man. It's awesome. So ChatGPT is gathering information throughout all the internet. It tries to search and find everything and learn it all so it can apply that information to help answer your questions or solve your problems. So similarly to the Holy Spirit, ChatGPT searches everything. So I took it for a spin. I asked, who's the best quarterback in the NFL? A question I'm well aware of the answer to. I asked it a little more seriously. I said, what to do when my friend spreads a rumor about me? Lastly, I asked, how do I clean, debone, and prepare a trout to eat? Something I know absolutely nothing about. But I have been watching the survival show alone on Netflix. Anyone else? You know, you know the show alone? Oh, yeah. Very inspired. So in each of those cases, within seconds, I've got brilliantly helpful answers. They said Patrick Mahomes was the first option. Well done. It has, for, uh, for, for the second option, it's what to do when my friend spreads a rumor. It was like I was just listening to a therapist. I was like, man, this is pretty impressive stuff. And, and I could have been in the wilderness and gotten that answer and fried up that trout right away. I feel really confident about my abilities. I'm signing up for the show alone right after this. But a quick conclusion. It's smarter than me. And I don't know all of you in this room, but it's smarter than you. <laughs> it knows more things than you. I pr it's, it's smarter than any human on the planet. It's never going to lose a trivia competition. It knows more things than anything. And there's one thing ChatGPT definitely doesn't know, and it's God. It doesn't know the depths of God. It doesn't know the heart of God. It doesn't know the thoughts of God. So when it comes to the most important thing for you in this life, it is useless. It can't help you. When we're in our greatest need and we need to go to God and rely on him for wisdom and whatever it is we need, chat GPT, smarter than any human, can't help you. It's because it's not God. And it doesn't know God. The Holy Spirit, on the other hand, searches all things. It knows all the things ChatGPT knows. An accurate word for it searching all things is it penetrates all things. It sort of knows everything about everything, even things not on the internet. It's aware of what is true and accurate about your life and all lives that have ever existed. The Holy Spirit is holy. It's perfect. It's without falsehood, which I was just talking with someone beforehand about this. It's perfect in every way, so it can never guide you in an unwise or unpleasing to God way. That's the Holy Spirit who has been given to you, believer. He will lead you to walk in wisdom, to speak in wisdom, and to become more like God himself. Only the, Spirit, only the Holy Spirit can bridge this gap. There is a gap between the deep things of God and man. And only the Holy Spirit can bridge that gap, teach us the things of God. And there is, so there's this wisdom of the world, and there's this wisdom that is from God that the Holy Spirit can lead us into. So walk wisely. Walk in the wisdom of God. Seek his wisdom. Ask him for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. There's books in the Bible known as the wisdom books. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. There's a really good chance I'm not going to put money on it but because I don't bet like that, but there's a really good chance that when you need wisdom from the Lord that he's going to say Proverbs. He's going to say Psalms. He's already written it for you. 
He wants to lead you wisely. And, and a last thought here, something I've been ruminating on for, uh, honestly, like a month or so. Verse in 2 Timothy 2, 7, Paul is again writing to Timothy, and he says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So Paul encourages Timothy to think. Like, make some time to think about it. Sure, you, you need to create some space. You need to seek wisdom from other godly people in your life. You need to consult the scriptures. Do all of that and think about it. Think about these things because the Holy Spirit is in you and he's working through you in your heart and your mind and your soul and he wants to teach you like no one else can. Second manner tonight, second way that we walk by the Spirit, way to walk number two, walk empowered by the Holy Spirit. Walk empowered by the Holy Spirit. Trent, in the first week of our series, he, he took us to the book of Acts. He talked about, man, this is when the Holy Spirit... Uh, fell on his people and started, began to live within them, and man, awesome things started to happen. Crazy things happen in the book of Acts. The record of it is incredible. The Holy Spirit is establishing his church, and he's spreading the gospel all around the world so that people can be saved. Trent spoke about how right at that initial moment, the Spirit rested on people with tongues of fire, and they spoke languages that they didn't even know, and other people knew so that they could hear the gospel in their own language. Craziness. Holy Spirit filled the same apostles with boldness to go up to the people who said, Jesus, we're going to crucify him. And they went back up to him and said, you guys crucified Jesus. He's God. Repent. Led them in boldness to speak the gospel all over the world. Jesus' followers were imprisoned. Holy Spirit broke them out of prison. They casted out demons. They healed people. Uh, Peter was, was so just filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was working so powerfully within him that he would walk by, and, and the sun's over there, and it's casting a shadow on this line of people, and as the shadow passes over them, they all just get healed, healed of their sickness, healed of their blindness, healed of all of these things, and we look at it, and we should just say, man, say God's power is unreal. It's unmatched. It's unlike anything else, but hear me here. The book of Acts, just as much as it is scripture, is inspired by the Holy Spirit, just like every other book in the Bible, we have to understand that it is a narrative. It is descriptive. It is describing what happened through the apostles in the early church. So we have to read it and understand it as a narrative. It's a descriptive text describing all of these things that happened, and it's not a prescriptive text meaning we don't look at everything we see in Acts and go, that's what we have to do. We saw that in the upper room. We have to create the upper room. You know, this, it's not how you read a narrative. We see it, we believe it, and we move forward. It's in the narrative, Second uh, Kings, another book in the Old Testament, Elijah, the prophet, prays and he calls down fire on all of his enemies and kills them. Don't read that and try to do that. Goodness. It's there. We believe it. We go, man, God is so powerful and he's just and he can do things that are so much more mighty than anyone else. But we don't pursue replicating it. Same goes for the book of Acts. We read it. We're encouraged by it. We go, man, God, you establish your church. You work through these apostles in just incredible ways. I believe it and I, and I hope you do things similar to that in my life. I don't know, but I'm going to choose to obey you however you call me. There are prescriptive texts. 
that tell us a little bit more about what it looks like to walk by the Spirit than the book of Acts does. Thankfully, 1 Corinthians, right where we're at, we're going to continue on chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Read with me. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, same Holy Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There's varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each person is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good. So it goes with a list of things. For one is given through the Spirit wisdom, to utter wisdom. Another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, by another faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the, by the one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, varieties of kinds of tongues and the interpretations of tongues. All these are empowered by one spirit, one and the same spirit, who apportions to each as he wills. So it's God. It's by the Holy Spirit that an individual chooses, or sorry, that he individually chooses how people are being empowered. It is God who wills it as he pleases. These aren't, these aren't things that are forced by us. You can't manufacture them. If tongues or miracles aren't present in the church, it doesn't mean we got to go find some people that can do tongues. It doesn't mean we got to go find the guy who can heal or we got to go find the guy that can do this or that. It just means God hasn't willed and empowered someone in that way. In your church, in your life group, in your, in your meeting, all of those things, God is the one who chooses. It's not our responsibility to make sure our church is lacking, isn't lacking in these gifts. Because it's God. It's God who's in control. It's God who is doing it. It's not man. It's the Holy Spirit's power choosing to work how he pleases for his purposes and for his glory. And while all of this stuff, I, I hesitated putting this passage in here because it can get confusing and it is complex. It's complex in a lot of ways. I got I to hand that to you. But it's also really quite clear. All believers are given the manifestation, manifestation, another word with some baggage. It means God dwells in his people by the Holy Spirit. He gives this for the common good of everyone. Yet the Holy Spirit will empower people in different ways. So we all don't look the same. We all don't. We all aren't used by God in the exact same way. And he continues, these next 20 verses are all about just laying this out in another illustration for us. Now, I'm going to summarize it for the sake of time, but he's using the imagery of a body. So he says, hey, hand, can't say to the foot, I don't need you, can't do that. If we were all ears, we wouldn't be able to speak. If we were all feet, we wouldn't be able to smell, but we would smell really bad. The Holy Spirit wisely forms us all together. It's his doing. It's his work to be a full functioning body that achieves God's purposes and plans on this earth, which is glorifying him, saving souls eternally. So main points, to summarize this all up, the Holy Spirit empowers every believer to play a part in the family of God. 
his church and empowers them to grow and further God's kingdom and plan here and now. All of this is under an umbrella. The very last verse, as he sums all of this up, this is what Paul says. He says, I will show you a still more excellent way. He says, guys, the gifts are great. The gifts are awesome. You should be in awe of those things, and maybe God is going to use them in your life and, and work powerfully in and through you with them. The gifts are great. Praise God for the gifts. But there's something greater that God wants to produce in you by the Spirit, leading us to way number three. Way number three that we walk. We walk in love by the Holy Spirit. Walk in love by the Holy Spirit. It continues on immediately in these next verses, right after Paul says, I'm going to show you a greater way. Here is the way that he talks about. Read with me, 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, if I speak these languages of men and angelic languages, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, I'm so generous, and if I deliver up my body to be burned as a sacrifice, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Desire for God to use you in whichever way he pleases. More importantly than that, at all times, in all moments, in every circumstance, pursue love. See, God knows you personally. Paul communicates it really well here. God knows your heart. He knows that you're going to be tempted to try to earn your own way and in your own might use tongues or miracles or healing and all of these things, these great acts of faith, potentially for your own selfish advantage. God knows you're prone to wander. He knows, he knows that that's true, and he knows that you might look to try to find satisfaction or security or your identity in mountaintop experiences in life. We're going to try to create or recreate that amazing thing that we heard happen one time or that amazing thing we saw happen or, man, I was in this retreat, and oh, my gosh, it was amazing. I need to do that every single week. He knows you're going to want to do that. It's going to lead you away from walking faithfully. We're, tempted, we're, we're going to be tempted to point back to this most spiritual moment in our life and say, I need that every day. Here's the deal. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you into some new things so that he can grow you. And he wants to grow you in love. More importantly, more importantly than those moments, more importantly than God empowering you with these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Above it all, God, by the Holy Spirit, wants to empower you to do everything in love. That's 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all you do be done in love. And I, I love that illustration that we, that we started off with. Um, noisy gong. Clanging cymbals. It's, it's like our boy Mike Fruth or uh, your boy Dimitri Lash or Jack Nornberg or uh, Luke Friesen. Those are our drummers. It's like one of those just, I'm speaking up here. Y'all are listening. One of them just kind of walks up the stairs and they're like, all right. I'm going back to the drum kit. 
and they, they open the door, they get in there, and I'm trying to speak, and we're like, what's going on? And they just start wailing on the cymbals. We're like, dude, what are you doing? It's not helpful. No one gets it. It would be good maybe if there was a band accompanying with it, but it's not loving to the people around you. I don't get the joke. What's happening? Paul says this is what it's like if someone is speaking in tongues but isn't doing it with love. Not doing it with love for God or love for others. It goes on, in fact, if you were empowered with all of the gifts, you were just the most spiritually godly, powerful person on the planet. You could do it all. You could move a mountain. You are built different. You're performing miracles, healing people, but you don't have love. Worthless. Nothing. Don't matter. Desire the gifts, but don't manufacture them. The Holy Spirit will empower you in the ways that he chooses and pleases. Rather than pursuing those things, pursue growing in character that the Holy Spirit's trying to produce in you, namely, and first and foremost, in love. Love is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful, it doesn't rejoice with wrongdoing, but it rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's not a marriage passage. It's for anyone who's led by the Spirit. This is the love of Christ. It wasn't self-seeking, but it bore everything. Your sin on the cross he believed everything, meaning he fully trusted God through all of the torture that he put him through. It hopes all things. And he, I mean, he believed God was going to use this to glorify himself and provide salvation for souls. And it endures all things, even death on a cross for you. A little bit of what walking in love might look like. Walking in love looks like being patient instead of irritated at your coworker or the old man driving in front of you. It looks like not building up yourself and choosing to honor someone else. It looks like getting uncomfortable a little bit to initiate in kindness to somebody out of your comfort zone or encourage them. It looks like not sitting on your bitterness, insisting on your own way and harboring it in your heart, but instead it seeks out the other person with hope and belief that God could restore this relationship. That is what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. What it means to be a strong man or woman of God. This is what it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit. This is how you walk in the way of Jesus in a manner worthy of the gospel that you would walk in love by the Spirit. So just ask yourself, you're trying to grow as a believer, you're trying to figure out this God thing. Are you walking day by day, moment by moment in the manner of love that's painted here? It's exhibited by Jesus. It's commanded here again by Paul. Is this what you're pursuing or are you pursuing other Christian things that might be getting in the way of God trying to make you a more loving and God-fearing individual? You can certainly desire mountaintop experiences to come. 
You can certainly desire. God's going to empower you and gift you in ways as he chooses, but don't pursue them. Pursue love because walking in love is what it means to be led by the Spirit. In, uh, in closing, I'm going to invite the band to come out or up wherever you're at. I have some news. My wife right there, Bailey. Baby's sitting behind her Yeti that she's holding in her lap. Due in January, Bailey and I are ecstatic. Of course, it's all in God's timing. We is kind of in our timing as well. We couldn't be more thankful. And God willing, January will be raising a child. And many of you have been so encouraging, like so thankful for that right off the bat, so excited to raise this kid up and pray for him or her, that they would love Jesus, they'd walk by the Spirit. Thank you guys for just rejoicing with us and all the encouragement. In John chapter 3, there was a Jewish ruler who came to Jesus by night, and he says, Jesus, I believe that you're from God, like you're doing these signs and wonders and these things. No one could do that unless they came from God. And Jesus is like, okay, I get it, good intro. Here's the deal. I'm going to tell you the news. I'm going to cut to the chase. If you want to be a part of God's kingdom, God's family, to understand spiritual truths and to have spiritual wisdom, you must be born again. The ruler, not yet understanding, says, how does this happen? Do I need to go back into my mom's womb? No. Jesus says, you've been born once physically. If you want to know God and you want to inherit eternal life, you also must be born spiritually. You must be born of the Spirit of God. Jesus elaborates more and more on how one is born of the Spirit, and he further clarifies in the famous verse, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but may have eternal life. We and some of you and our families have already been praying for our baby that it would be healthy. Praying for this birth in January, but we're praying that it would be the first of two births that it experiences. If you don't understand these things tonight, if it doesn't click for you, if you aren't moved to live out and obey these things from God's Scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit, it might be because you've never been born a second time. And to inherit eternal life, Jesus says once, is not going to cut it. You must be born of the Spirit. God sent his Son into the world to pay for your sins, to give you eternal life. All you got to do is believe in him, and he will give it to you. These things of God that we've talked about tonight are folly to people who don't believe. You can't understand it because you don't have the Spirit of God in you. If you do understand it, the only reason you understand it is because the Spirit of God is working in you. It's giving you wisdom, spiritual insight. Those of us who have the Spirit and have been born of it, been given the Holy Spirit, things God is going to lead us to walk in our wisdom, to walk in empowerment, and above all, to walk in love. You guys pray with me.
thank you, God, just for this opportunity. And, and I know there's, there's baggage and just stuff around the Holy Spirit. Every denomination has got a different thought, it seems. God, you're sovereign over it all. We can trust you. God, we, we just pray tonight would, would be enlightening in some way, enlightening to our hearts in some way to just come before you more honestly, more fully, and God, that you would be able to take what's been said, to take this night and what you're doing in our hearts and mold us into more like Jesus, that we would be more loving in every way. And I just want to pray against all the jargon, all the, all the stuff that's been, been said that might be getting in the way of understanding or might have just some wounds or some spiritual hurt, God, you are above all of that and you love through all of that. And pray that right now, would you just lead us in worship? Would you lead our hearts to come before you and to give you all the glory? It's to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.